Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. want some form of normalcy. Give a, a yes in the chat box if you had some, some form of normalcy, right? Or, you know, whisper to the person, uh, you know, next to you, or at least, at least some sort of like evolved normalcy, right? As a, as a school leader, this has been one of the most, you know, challenging last 18 months uh, that any school leader has ever uh, gone through. So some, some sort of normalcy as a school leader, as normal as it can be when you've got all those, all those human beings in your building. So that's great to see all those yeses. We got our Facebook Live, also lots of yeses too. So what I, so what I want to share today, what I want to really talk about is, 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 how we, is how we create a normal in our world, right? Because <clears throat> it doesn't matter what fires are coming at us, right? You know, COVID was a, you know, a, a fire that we weren't ready for, but nobody could ever have, have anticipated. But we've had fires before things happen in our building, right? I mean, you know, you, you come to school, like you, to prepare like hey this week i'm going to be super prepared i'm going to i'm going to be ready every day you know so that sunday night you take a look at your calendar and you map out your meetings and you and you map out your your um uh your you know your observations and and all these other pieces and so and so you know you're ready to go and then and then you get into the building right or you drive up or you pull up to the parking lot monday morning and there's already you know the car lines already like, like like the carpool lines all you know jammed up right or maybe you got two two uh, text messages from the time you left your house to the time you got to the actual physical school building where two of your teachers say you know I can't come in you know I'm not feeling well or my kid's sick or or there's been some contact you know tracing and the nurses reaching out they say oh we just you know we just can't do this right so so you have all these great you know intentional actions but all of a sudden all of a sudden you got problems. Right, your inbox is blowing up, teachers out, COVID tracing, and the next thing you know, the day's over, and you missed that really important observation, or you had to cancel that really important meeting, and then you end up, you know, staying late because you know you spent the entire day trying to put out fires, and and you didn't get to the important stuff for the day. You saved that until after school, and then you got to text home to your spouse or significant other or your child and say, "Hey, I'm not going to make I'm not going to make dinner on time, but I Ubered." Some food to you. I mean, no wonder right now in North Carolina, the average tenure for principals is less than three years. No wonder I've had to be the interim head of school of four charter schools in the last 18 months. It might be the most challenging job ever. But it wasn't until I started to truly understand and practice uh, the, this leadership principle I learned from my mentor, John Maxwell, called the Law of Priorities, that I really started to understand how I should be spending my day. And the Law of Priorities gave me a framework and a plan to focus my day on what matters most every single day, right? And every day, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, every day there's a battle between my plan and my personality, right? Or my plan and the culture of, of my work environment. You know, I have to battle my own, go, you know, um, uh, uh, love of being the technician, love of, you know, trying to, you know, be the person operating, you know, because I want to do everything. I want to, I want to be a part of everything. That's just part of my personality. Or the culture where, you know, <laughs> systematically things are broken and no one can seem to solve any problems without coming to see me first. Sometimes the culture wins. Sometimes my personality wins. But sometimes the law of priorities wins, right? And that's what I want to teach you today. That's what I want to go through. So uh, again, I've already said, I believe 
the, you know, the, the school leader's job is one of the most interrupted jobs on the planet. Every day there's a fire. Every day there's something you got to put out. Every day there's an employee you got to talk to. Every day there's a challenge you got to be thinking on. And, and so I'm really, you know, again, I, you know, I'm honored that you would take the time out of your busy day because I know most of you, if not all of you, are operating schools right now. So you may be eating your lunch right now or walking through lunch or handling some other uh, business. So I, so I want to make sure this is extremely valuable uh, to you. So want to make sure everybody's got the workbook, right? So you've got the workbook or a way to take notes, uh, print it out because that's going to align to the exercises. And if you don't have the workbook, you know, put it in the chat box and I'll, I'll pull it back out again. But um, about 10 years ago, just a short story, about 10 years ago, when I was in my second year as a principal, my first year, 10 years, second year as a principal, um, you know, my wife woke up and it was, you know, I was just about to leave for work. I said, hey, hey. Good morning, honey. Um, hey, what does a heart attack feel like? And she's like, what, what, do you, what do you mean, what does a heart attack feel like? Thank you, Vanessa, for sharing. What does a heart attack feel like? What, you know, what do you mean, what does a heart attack feel like? <laughs> and she's like, you know, sit down, tell me more. I was like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I woke up a couple hours ago, and I just haven't been feeling really good. I just haven't been feeling good. She's like, okay, well, look, lay down, take your tie off you know, relax, your issues off, let's, you know, let's, you know, dim the lights and, you know, you know, I'm going to call the doctor. I just want you to settle. So as she was, you know, uh, doing that, I reached over for my, you know, Blackberry. I had a Blackberry at the time. If anybody had one, they're, they're not sleek like, you know, are like iPhones now. It was, it was big and, and thick and, and, um, and just uh, had like an otter box on it. It was like a giant brick almost. And I you know, quickly texted, you know, my boss and said, uh, I said, hey, um, having some health things right now, but I'll be in as soon as I can, right? And that's just the mentality that we have as educational leaders. Like, I'm just going to fight through this, right? It's almost like the Chicago Bears. We're so having a heart attack. Is, you're like the guys like that. So I did end up going to the doctor, and, and he checked me out. And, and this ends up, you know, being high stress with a lot of de dehydration. But while he was uh, checking me out, he said, so, so what do you do for a living? I said, oh, I'm a school principal. He goes, oh, that makes sense. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, you know, you know, based upon your blood pressure and your, your levels of stress and everything else, you know, to be honest, you're not really taking very good physical care of yourself. And I was like, whoa, doc, you know, take it easy here. I, mean, I barely know you. And he said, look, just, just, uh, just uh, remember, you only get one shot on this beautiful blue earth. So, so make sure that you're spending it doing the right things with the right people, doing the right things with the right people. Those words specifically changed my life. So I'm gonna go through this quickly, but I wanna make sure that you have a chance to answer questions or ask some questions as we go. So as you're you know, going through your workbook, you know, we're gonna we're gonna work through it uh, together. So I wanna give any quick uh, opportunities here for someone to ask. A question while I while I pull my workbook and share and share my screen up. You can put your question in the in the chat box. All right, let's do it. Scan for viruses, and here we go. So the daily rule of five, we're going to start here right at the top of the first page. And the daily rule of five, this is what I'm going to uh, define it as for you. The daily rule of five is, is these are the five things that a school leader that I believe should prioritize on their calendar every single day. Now, everybody's five are going to be different. Okay? Some will be somewhat you know, similar, but pretty much everybody's going to have a different one. And I know it's you know, crazy because you guys do millions of things a day. You make tens, tens of thousands of uh, decisions because... There's really only five things that you can and should do. Now, what you're asking is, that, well, yeah, all right, Tom, so how do you get there? Well, the first thing you need to do is you need to know and understand the Pareto principle, all right? And that's, and that's what you should have here at the top of your, of your page, the Pareto principle. And the Pareto principle says, and some people say Pareto principle, Pareto principle, but it says 20% uh, of your activities are going to give you 80% of your overall results. So 80 or so 20% of your activity will give you 
of your results. If, right, if you spend 80% of your time, energy, and money, and personnel on those top 20% of your priorities, okay? So 80, so 80, so 20% of your activities gives you 80% of your outcomes if you spend 80% of your time in that 20%, it's gonna bring you greater results. And so, so you've got this you know, screen. So if you just you know, take a look at this, at this graph, you'll see that 20% of your activities brings 80% of your results. And 80% of your results, right? And so there's other 80% of your activities, right? That's the, that's the working by default. That's the, that's the putting out fires. And that really only brings you 20% of your results. And I don't like those returns. I don't know about you. If you know, anybody likes those returns in the room, you, you let me know, because I don't, right? I want to get greater return for, for my time. So here's how this shows up in our life, right? 20% of the clothes you wear come from 80% of the, um, or I'm sorry, 80% of the clothes you wear comes from 20% of the clothes you actually physically own, right? The 80% of the content you actually need from a book only comes from 20% of the pages. 80% of the content you need, right, to be better at the law of priorities is only going to come from 20% of this presentation. 80% of your problems right now are coming from 20% of your people or 20% of your broken systems. 80% of your volunteer hours are going to come from 20% of your parents. 80% of your referrals come from 20% of your teachers and probably 20% of your student base too, right? You know, think on it. It's, it's systemic. It's over and over and over again. So what Pareto was sharing with us that, you know, if you want to cut down a tree, like Abraham Lincoln said, he said, he said if, if you give me six hours to cut down a tree, I, I'm going to spend four hours just sharpening the blade. You've got to focus your time on what's most important. What are the activities that are, you know, are going to give you the greatest return, the greatest return? So if you have your to-do list right there in front of you, you could actually physically line up your uh, to-do list, you know, versus what the outcomes you're looking for, right? So whatever you use to plan your day, and it's your job on a daily basis to identify what are the top two things, right? So if you've got 10 things, if you've got 10 things on your to-do list, what are the top two things that you need to be doing that day, right? What are the top two things that you need to be doing that day? That's your job as a leader, to know and understand. Because everything else needs to be delegated or empowered or other people need to be trained how to do it. Or even better, just stop doing it. Right? Like, I got to stop being the technician. I've got to stop, you know, spending the time doing a little thing so I can focus on the more important things, right? You know, preparing content for you, serving my clients, you know, getting better as an organizational leader. So, I'm going to show you how to get to that process because I can hear your brains right now. You're actually saying like, there's just no way I could just prioritize just those two things. Now, there's just all these challenges, all these things are happening. And, and I get it. And I've been there before. You know, remember I said I was a middle school director, right? I had many challenges with this, but I've also been, you know, directors of four charter schools since January, 2020. That means I've had to go into these organizations with a plan and a framework in 90 days. I've got to, you know, I, you know, I've got to fix them and, and get them in a better direction. I can't do that if I have to do everything because I don't know how to do anything at that school. I want you to catch this before I move on. Because even though I knew the law of priorities, I wasn't living the, pro the law of priorities until I went to the National Charter School Conference uh, about five years ago. And Tom Torkelson, he, he's the founder of IDEA uh, Public Schools. And, and he led that network for two uh, decades. Uh, he just stepped down this past April. And, and, and so someone asked him, it's the largest charter network in the country. It had like 150,000 students at the time. And he said, you know, you know, what's the most important aspect of your job? And he said, he said that he spends on average 60% of his day teaching adults how to lead other adults, right? Teaching adults how to be more effective leaders. That's how he spent 60% of his day. So if the 80, 20, uh, uh, you know, principle is real, right? Which is, it is, because everything we have, right? That means that 80% of your time as a leader 
needs to be spent with your top 20% of your people because they're the ones that are going to give you that 80% return on the back end. And what I did wrong as a principal, right, which was a giant mistake, is I spent 80% of my time with the bottom 20% of my people. Now tell me if that sounds right, right? I mean, has everybody been there? I should just say, if I could just get them to be better, we would be such a better school, right? If I could get them as good as the rest of my teachers, we'd be in better shape. And then, but then my top 20% of my teachers were like, well, well what do we have to do to get Tom's, Tom's attention? And recently I was, you know, coaching a leader, coaching a charter school principal. And she said, you know, one of my key staff members said to me today, you know, just because you think I don't need your help or support doesn't mean that I don't want it. How many of your top 20% might be thinking that? How do I get Brian's attention, Vanessa's attention, Barbara's attention? Like, what do I have to do? I mean, think about it. most of you, if not all of you, were classroom teachers, right? Remember, you had those top 20% of your kids, too. You're like, gosh, if everybody would just act like them. But they were thinking the same thing. How do I get Mr. Miller's attention? So you've got to be really, really focused. And remember what my doctor told me is that who you spend time with, right? Who you spend time with. So this is, this is a key, this is a leadership mistake that I made that I was spending my time with the wrong people. You need to spend your time with the right people. And this should be your top capacity and coachable teammates, your top 20%. And I've got a reflection sheet that I pulled from the book, uh, Developing the Leaders Around You, which we're, you know, we're, uh, we're about to start a book study on this, this upcoming Monday, but that's gonna help you identify who are those you know, capacity uh, builders, who are those individuals in your organization who are ready for more? So if you're interested, I'll, you know, I'll add it to the resources. You can have it, but I highly, you know, come into our book study starting next week if you're not a part of it now. And I know, you know, sometimes they're all saying it's just easier and faster if I just do it myself. And that's true for today, right? But not for tomorrow and not for the rest of the year. So if I can train someone in less than an hour, how to complete a task that takes 10 to 15 minutes of my time once a week or once a month or even once a quarter. At minimum, I'm breaking even, right? I'm getting that hour back. I'm going to get that time back because now I don't have to do it because someone else is doing it. And yes, I'm still responsible that it gets done, but I'm not necessarily required to do it. So I'm going to, I'm going to stop the share for a second. I'm going to, I'm going to open up. What, what, the questions do you have so far on the on the Pareto principles? Anybody who's got a question, let me let me do it so folks can uh, unmute themselves here if you want. How do I do that? There we go. Let me know if you got a question so far. And Vanessa was nice enough to to drop the. Drop the, the workbook back in here for us. All right, so nothing so far. All right, so so far we talked about the Pareto principle. We go ahead and move. Let's let's move on to the next to the next page of the workbook then. All right, so we know we understand that eighty percent of our return comes from twenty percent of input, right? So, all right, so now we understand the principle. All right, and, and here's how you start to answer those three questions, those uh, questions, right? We're gonna use these three questions to get closer to, to, to our work in the Pareto Principle. So number one is what is required of me? So in your notes, what is required of me? These are the, these are the items that only you can and should do for yourself and nobody in your organization on your team that you know can do for you, right? These are things that only you can and should do, right? Can and should. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, that's everything, Tom. Well, it's not. Because <laughs> anything that anybody can do as 80% as well as you can, you've got to delegate it. You've got to empower them. And I'm actually having a situation right now with a, a school that I'm weaning out of, you know, being the head of school. And, and you know, someone just did, you know, they've got someone in charge of payroll. And, they weren't necessarily trained to, to do it really well. And, and there's some errors with it. And, and, you know, and I could do it, right? I could just, you know, take it over to be a task and do it, but that's not going to serve that person. And it's not the best use of my time. 
I corrected some, some of the payroll. We had a conversation about expectations and, and I said, hey, work on this the rest of the afternoon. Send it back to me when, when, when you're done, right? You, you know, you have to delegate those tasks. Even though you can do it, doesn't mean that you should do it. You have to, you know, give it to the person and treat them like a professional. So you have to think about who, who on my team could start doing some, some of these tasks. And I'm going to show you an exercise here um, in a couple of minutes of how, of how you get there, right? Because right now you might think you don't have anybody, and that's fine, but I'm going to give you time to get there. But the second question is, what does this organization get the greatest return when I do it? What does, what does the organization get the greatest return at when I do it, right? So this means, this means that it's in your strength zone. It's, it's, you're the best at it at your school or your, your organization or on your team. You've been successful at it in the past, right? You know, sometimes you might be the person in your organization who has the most experience, but it doesn't mean that you're the best at it, okay? So let's you know, put that aside. So part of this process is, you know, as you're going through the work, you're identifying people that you're going to train to do the work next. But you're not, but you're not going to do it for uh, very long, right? So like when I, you know, you know, I'm doing payroll, like I just decided, look, there's someone who's equipped here to do it, right? They just need some training. I'm only going to do it for this, you know, 30 minutes. For some of you, it might be 30 days. But you're going to get a greater return on the back end, okay? You're going to, you know, identify it and, and, you know, so you're going to put yourself on a very short time frame to be able to identify someone and train someone. It may not be someone in your organization now. Maybe it's someone that you can, you know, third party contract with, you know, someone else who can help you get there. You can start to ask around, but you just say, hey, look, lying in the sand, 30 days from today, August, uh, uh, September 26th or 25th, 2021, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to have someone in place to do this. And the last one, the last R, right, this is the three R's, what rewards me? What fuels and fills my heart? What am I passionate about? You know, when you're able to line up these three R's, right, when you line up these three R's every single day, it's complete bliss. Like you're, you're just constantly working in your strength zone. You don't mind going to work. You enjoy the challenge because you're focusing on the things that you love to do with the people that you love to work with. You're uh, focusing on what's growing your organization. You know, people are growing your organization. Better systems is growing your organization. Better results, right? Multiplication of yourself. You're focusing on the things that fill your heart. Now, if you've taken our dispersonality profile, I know a lot of you have, if you go to page 17, it'll specifically tell you what your strengths are, everything above, you know, the line. And those, there's two or three that are going to be above the line. That's where you should spend 90% of your day. So if you spend 90% of your day in those, you know, strengths, and you follow these three R's, oh my gosh, you are, you are, you know, you are stretching yourself because you're constantly out of your comfort zone because not doing what's easy is part of your comfort zone. Like not, you know, not, not being the technician, not, you know, feel like, you know, handing something over is uncomfortable. But that's where success is, one step outside of your comfort zone, right? So I want you to spend 90 to 95% of your day outside of your comfort zone and 90 to 95% of your day in your strength zone. My three strengths are creativity, influence, I, I'm sorry, four strengths, creativity, influence, directing, and persisting, according to the page 17 of my disc. Now, my growth areas are relations, processing, and details. So I need to make sure that every day I'm staying in the creativity, influence, you know, directing and persisting, but then I'm surrounding myself with the relations, processing, and the details. And my teammate, Lauren, you know, she's not on here right now, but she's really great at the details and processing. Like she's starting to build systems for all the work that I spend so much time and effort doing. I'm great with strategy. I'm great with ideas. I'm great with mindset. I'm great with vision casting. I loathe, I loathe details. I loathe like the deep down writing that sometimes I have to do as a consultant. I'm not very, I'm not strong at. I, you know, struggle with leaving out key information. I'm constantly working on that, right? 
So you, so you have to know and have an understanding of what, of what you're strong at, right? So my work, I may, you know, I may paint a picture, right? And, and, you know, and, and, you know, place people in the positions of, of, of success and coach them. But to tell them a step-by-step of writing out the systems in a process, that's, that's not what I'm good at, but I can, I can help people understand their place in the role, right? And if you're not good at those uh, details either, right, you could record yourself when you're doing your own tasks. You, you know, you could use Zoom or Google Meets or, you know, whatever, or some sort of video to just record yourself doing it. And then you could use a tool like Otter and, you, you know, you can transcribe it, right? Or you can talk out loud. These are the steps that I would take, you know, to get there. Because sometimes that's where we struggle is, well, I don't have time to train somebody. Well, you're already doing the task. So you definitely have time to train somebody. Just invite them into the room. Right, or invite them into the Zoom or do a screen share. There are ways that you can, you know, you can start to equip people. Let me find that participant there and meet them. Sorry about that. All right. So when your three R's align, right? When your three R's align, it really, really makes a significant difference. So, so I'll so I'll stop sharing here for a second, so I can see everybody. What is there any is there any questions you can put in the chat box? Is there any questions you have on the three R's or how you start to identify your three R's or anything I need to repeat about the three R's? All right, I'm not, I'm not seeing any. Okay, well, let's, let's keep moving. So now we've learned, learned, learned about the Pareto principle, right? You know, the 80% of our results come from 20% of our work, right? And it's our job to make sure 80% of our time is focused on whatever those 20% are, right? Those are the two key things that I want to be spending the majority of my day with. And how I'm going to get there is I'm going to use the three R's. I'm going to think about What's required of me as a leader? These are all the things I can and should do as a leader. I'm going to ask what gives the organization the greatest return at it when I do it, right? Not just what I like to do, what I'm the best at, right? Or what I can't at this point train someone else to be as good as I am or you know, someone that's 80%. And the last R is reward. What fills my heart? What's in my strength zone? What are, you know, what are things I love to do? Okay, and there's lots of ways to find out if you've taken our disc, go to page 17. I can do a disk in a profile with you if you want. Um, you can go to our uh, website, leadersbuildingleaders.com uh, forward slash disk, uh, and it will uh, track it down, right? Or just email me at tom at lbleaders.com. All right. So now, three questions, right, to help you to help you even dig further on this. So let me get back to my share screen here, which, of course, I think I lost my share screen here. Let me try it again. There we go. All right. So we talked about these three, right? When these three align, help you um, reduce your list and prioritize your, your time. So every day when you're making your list, you're going to ask these three questions because you've already started working three or three hours. So this is like the ultimate test here. Does this task need to be done? All right. That's question number one. Does this task need to be done. If it doesn't, just cut it right there. Stop doing it. <laughs> does this really need to be done? Question number two is, uh, does it need to be done by me? Does it need to be done by me, right? So let's go back to the payroll example. <laughs> does payroll need to be done? Yes. Yes, it does. People will be very angry if payroll's not finished and it's not accurate. Now, does it need to be done by me? No. Not necessarily, not all of it, right? Maybe, maybe someone else could do 80 to 90% of the work. I just need to do that, that last 10%, uh, right? So does it need to be done? Does it need to be done by me? Now, I encourage a lot of leaders to just stop doing some things and you'll find out whether it's actually important or not, right? Because if you get a memo or you realize that, hey, oh my gosh, no one's done the payroll, right? Or, or you know, in, you know, in our case, it was, hey, 
you know, checking on the benefits and, you know, people are changing their benefits. Like there's things that were happening, you know, behind the scenes of payroll that we didn't know what we didn't know, right? So, we, oh gosh, well, someone's got to do these things because they're really, really important, right? We want to make sure people has access to their retirement and their benefits and, and their supplementary pieces, right? So we learn. So then we have to do it. That's when a fire breaks out. But knowing whether or not you have to do it is, is you know, is not so important, right? Is there anybody else who can do it for me? about who can do it for me and if that answer is yes start to build that plan and start to train them right start to give it to them start to tell them i see you in in total charge of payroll in 30 days from now so that's you know two more pay cycles and 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 you know by you know by you know uh, september 25th you're going to be in charge of it uh but we're going to go through these two cycles together uh so so you know you know how to do it so you know by that point you'll be doing 80 85 to 90 percent of the work and i'll just be you know verifying it right so you know, you're going to model it first, and you're going to train and teach them, and you're going to do it together until they're at that 80% level, and then just keep on coaching and moving them forward. Like eventually, you know, then like you know, eventually you're going to move them to a point where they're going to teach someone else, right? And now you're really multiplying your leadership, right? Because now you have multiple people in your organization who could do who can do the payroll. Your job as a leader is to literally work yourself out of a job. So every task that you write down, or even in your middle of the task, I ask myself all the time, should I be doing this? Yes or no? The answer is yes. Does it have to be done by me? No. Okay, who can I get to do it, right? And you can start to map that out. Or if I say, does this task need to be done? The answer is no. Then you just, you know, stop doing it. Or I don't know. Don't do it. And, you know, give it a couple of weeks, and then you'll figure it out. I know that's, that's hard to do, and that's going to be a challenge because, you're creating new habits and it's going to take you time, you know, 90 days or so to really be able to work through this process. But I can just, you know, remind you at one point, you didn't know how to do your job. Now you didn't have to, you know, you don't know how to walk or talk or ride a bike or swim or eat or do anything, right? You just learned how to do it. You don't know how to do anything until you do it for the first time. You know, so just, you know, again, just with this school, you know, I had 26, I had 26 days to hire eight bilingual teachers. I was also responsible for all the human resources, right? I had to do that. Eight bilingual teachers in Ivana for school. I didn't interview anybody. I didn't interview anybody. Right? I set it up. I built the questions. I built the systems for people to apply. I put my teammate in charge of, you know, managing all that. Here are the questions uh, that I want. I asked you know, people to be part of my hiring team. I had, you know, teachers on my hiring team and they did all the work, right? They did all the work. I didn't do it. I'm responsible for it, but I didn't do it. You know, I trusted the team that I had put in place based upon the parameters, right? So you got to get really clear with expectations. And I, and I think this is where leaders really struggle with identifying their priorities. Is they're not always crystal clear with what they want done, right? What they want the end result to be. So therefore, that's why they say, well, it's just easier if I do it myself. But your time is your most precious resource. It's the only way that we're all equal, right? Some people are really, really good at how to utilize their time, right? Every principal has the same amount of time. So there's those three uh, questions, right? What's required of me? What gets the greatest return? What rewards me? And then on the back end, every time you got your task, does this have to be done? Does it have to be done by me? Right? Who could do it for me? And at the very, very bottom here, right, so as you're working through your tasks, right, as you're working through your task, and this is a tool that I like, and it'll be, um, I'll send it out in the resources, you'll have your own version of it, um, if you're registered uh, for here, or if you're part of one of our systems, but this is Covey's quadrants, right, this is, these are the four uh, quadrants that, that, you know, he, he works through, the, so the, so the two uh, columns are urgent and non-urgent, and the two rows are important and not, uh, not important, so, so here's, so here's what you do here, right? You know, most of us spend most of our day working in quadrant one. That's the crisis pressing problems, right? We're working by default. But what, you know, Covey talked about is we need to be able to work in column, uh, in a quadrant two. These are the important but non-urgent issues. This is preparation and planning and goal setting and relationship building and reevaluation and improvement. So, Having these cubby quadrants is really helpful, right? Qu 
quadrant three is this is urgent stuff, right? But not important. These are interruptions, unplanned activities. You know, the parent that shows up that you aren't prepared for, or the teacher who's out, right? These are just things. These are things, right? That that you know can be delegated. Someone else can be charged of these aspects at your organization. So if you're getting a lot of people come to you with their problems all the time and they can't solve the problems, you have a capacity issue. You have to spend time working with those people and building a system because if it's taking a lot of your time, that means the system is broken or nobody knows the system. But people need to know what to do to handle certain things. That's your job as a leader. That's why Torkelson said, I spent 60% of my day teaching adults how to lead adults. It's how to build systems. It's how, it's how to grow. It's how to solve a problem. And anything that's in quadrant four, you, you know, you just don't do. So every morning I wake up, I look at my you know, to-do list and I start to build it out. Like, okay, right. So what I've learned how to do is now, and, and Lauren actually does this uh, for me. I was like, hey, block time because I need to spend time preparing for this um, you know, workshop, right? Or, hey, you know, block time so you and I can go through this you know, task, right? We're handling some big, you know, a major project for some schools. Now I'm starting to block the time ahead. And I wasn't doing that uh, before. And I'm, and I'm doing it with a partner because now I'm forced to actually do it. Because what used to happen is I used to block that time in my calendar and then not do it during that time because it wasn't urgent. But what I want you to learn how to do, if you want to live a more empowered life, you want to be an empowered principal, you have to live in quadrant two. You've got to fight the urge not to address the urgent. Don't let things get into the urgent. So sometimes that means taking some time and backing away and you know, building some white space and really thinking about how come we have this problem? What system is broken that's creating this problem? I mean, especially, I mean, here's, you know, here's a great example. In our COVID world, we're just running from Zoom to Zoom to Zoom, and we're not building in the white space time in between the meetings to actually think and you know, create and process, and, and we're losing our leadership edge. I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want you to lose your leadership edge. That's what you have. That's the difference between you and the other people in your organization is you have a leadership edge and they haven't learned how to use it yet. So quadrant four, you're going to eliminate those things. Quadrant three, you're going to go through, is this, does this have to be done? Does it have to be done by me? Who can I train to do it, right? Quadrant two is like, what are the most important things that I need to do? These are your three R's, right? These are the things that I need to be working on. And anything that keeps on popping up in urgent one that creates a, a, a crisis, you need to spend the time. It's like, how did we get to this crisis? How do we get to this pressing problem? How did we miss this deadline? Like, where, where could I have been better? It's a constant reflection to help you get from here to there. Give me a yes in the chat box if you're still with me, if that makes sense. If that's what you want. If you would prefer to work in the non-urgent Quadrant two, you know, give me a yes. Yes, I want quadrant two. If you don't, if you like working in there, then that's okay. Um, that's, just, that's just your choice. I'm going to think that you don't want that. But you're not maybe sure how to get there. And it just takes baby steps. It takes daily, daily activity, right? You know, I mean, that's, that's where a breakthrough occurs. It's, it's good decisions made over time, right, in a consistent manner. And, and eventually, right, it just creates new habits. It creates, you know, change. Daily good decisions occurring over time. All right, so let's uh, finish this off. So when identifying your rule of five, right, you want to make, you know, you can use a tool like the, you know, Covey's Quadrants. We've got our 15-minute miracle that I'll send you if you haven't, you know, used that. And that's a a daily uh, um, you know, sheet that you can write out every 15 minutes what you did during that time. It can be really, really depressing um, to really, really even think about you know, what I did. Um, and, you know, and, but what, what it helps you do is identify where did you go down the vortex? You know, where, did you, you know, where did you get stuck? Was it in like, you know, if the meeting was too long or did a parent come and take your time? And you start to identify where your systems are broken. So I'm gonna put that link in the chat box, but it's also gonna to come to you via email. Uh, you know, since you registered uh, for this too. Um, and, and the most powerful practice that you can really start to implement is just daily reflection. Uh, at the end of every day, what did I do today that I don't want to do tomorrow? And you just start to create this list and you go through, okay, this is what I did. Does this have to be done by me? Yes or no? The answer is no, then who can start to do it for me? And you start to train, you start to train and get those people 
into a better uh, position, right? So this is, this is how I define my daily rule of five, right? I list out my to-do tasks, I rank my tasks in order of importance, and I identify those top two, right? What are the two that are gonna give me the greatest return? And in looking at the remaining tasks, I identify which tasks really have to be done, right? And these may go into the important column, right? And then I start to look at, you know, who can, you know, who can do them for me, right? So I gave you this at the bottom of your sheet. You can start to figure this out right now, right? The task to uh, complete. So maybe it's, you know, calling a parent, participating in an IEP meeting, you know, uh, you know completing your ESSER grant, uh, getting payroll finished, right? Where, you know, where do they rank? Does it need to be done? Can, can you know, someone else do it right now? And if they can't do it right now, who can I start to train? And so I really think it's important you start to identify your strengths as a leader. Where, you know, what are your strengths as a leader and start to work in your strengths. If there's anything that you procrastinate on or take a long time, it's probably because you're working out of your strength zone. And I want to help you release yourself from your weaknesses, right? You don't, you know, you don't have to do that all the time. You don't, you don't have to work in your areas of weakness. You need to surround yourself. You need to build a team that completes you, not a team that you know, competes, that has the same, you know, the same skills over and over again. So now you've gone through the process, you know, how to start it, right? Now I know, you know, you'd be like, this is not gonna happen overnight. This is gonna be daily, daily steps on a daily basis, right? You just start handing things over to people. And if they're not at that 80% line, so you're going to have to build time in your calendar to spend time with them. So just start to look at when you do payroll, when you write grants, or when you do these tasks, when you do your performance framework, whatever it is, put it on your calendar and invite someone to come in with you or record yourself, you know, you know doing it. You know, there's equipping people is a big part of your job, huge part, 80%, 60 to 80% of your job should be you developing leaders. And if you don't do it, the people that are hungry, the people who want to do more in your organization, they're not going to stay. And the only people that, you're, that you'll have left are the untrained, <laughs> the untrained, uncoachable you know, people. And if you think, you know, if you think that that's you know, costly, right, just, just wait till you get to the bill for like incompetence, right? You know, so pay to train people. Get... Get you know, people in your organization who can help you train other people. So that's how I do my daily five. I just look through here, right? And every day, every day I add value to people. Every day I create. Every day I learn through you know, podcasts and books. Every day I think. Every day I lead. Like these are the five things that I spend you know, the majority of my day doing. And when I find myself being the technician in a task, I get out of it, right? I start to, you know, build a plan. I have, you know, virtual assistants that work in the Philippines and they're fantastic. And I have to, I have to be better at, you know, delegating and, you know, giving them uh, directions because English is not their first language, but they're very, very good, right? I've got my, you know, teammate Lauren and she's fantastic and she does an incredible job of, as our chief, chief operations officer and she's a former principal and a, and a great teacher. She does an amazing job. She can handle pretty much any task. In fact, she's like, hey, I need to do more things for you. Like you need to start, like she's, you know, pushing me to hand it off. Like she knows, like, you know, she sees it. And every day, right? Every day, you're just working to get 1% better than the day before. And, you know, just imagine if you grew 1% every single week, if you got 1%, even if you took a two week vacation by the end of the year, you're 50% better a year from today, August 26, 2022. And you're going to get all that time back. You're going to get hours and hours of, of time back. So use this activity, right? And so as a result of these exercises, you know, what are the five things that I'll work to do every day? You can, you know, start to think through what's your daily five and what are the things I'm going to teach and empower other, you know, to start doing. So when you look at your to-do list, the most important things, right? We talked about developing people. Maybe you're the best instructional leader at your school. You know, maybe you're the best coach, you know, or, or, you know, maybe you're just the best operations systems person, and that's fine. And you spend your time there, that, that, you know, then you find, you know, someone else who can help you with the academic piece. 
Yeah, and I love the you know transparency you know you know the chat box that you just learned how to delegate. They had a hard time trusting. That's exactly what happens. You know, we don't trust that other people will get done, but slowly but surely, right? Slowly but surely, we have to learn how to trust people. And I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to screw it up. But so are you. At some point, you're not going to be able to do it all. Right? But yeah, start to surround yourself with really great people. They're equipped for the task. Because otherwise, why have them, right? Why do we have all these employees? Why do we have all these employees if we're not willing to give them tasks to do? Yeah, just add value to people. So I wanted to make sure that I shared a couple of these uh, resources if you don't have access to them. Um, so this is so this first one I'm going to put here in the chat box is this is that 15 minute miracle. And I don't know if anybody of you have uh, taken it, but if you just log in right there, it'll send it to you. And then every single day, it's a mini course. It's a mini course about how to do it, how to delegate it, how to dump it. And these, this is, you know, this is the start. If you start to do some self-assessment and you really start to identify uh, what's most important that I do as a leader, um, and and then and then use and really really take a look at yourself. I remember you know coaching a principal with this, and and um, he said uh, he said, well, you know, I already know what I do as a leader. I was like, okay, um, well, just you know, entertain me, do this for a couple of days. And, and when we got back on our coaching session, he's like, oh my gosh, this this hurt this hurt to really look at where my day is going. Like when you go back and start to calculate how you're actually spending your time on a daily basis, it can be hurtful, right? So, but that's, but that's just growth. That's just, you know, that's just growth. And if you think, you know, that you're not really sure about, you know, how to, you know, how to, you know, equip people or if you're um, equipping the right people, um, you know, here's our next uh, book study. It starts Monday, but um, you know, uh, It'll be great. It's uh, developing the leaders around you, and and um, you know you'll have access to the recordings if you can't make it live. But just another great opportunity to um, to just learn. And and I think this is maybe the most important book I told Vanessa. Um, you know, it's probably the book that really, really made me realize that I wasn't really developing leaders, and because I just wasn't sure how to do it. I didn't know that there was a framework and a process for it. So this. So this book's going to help you do that. So any any thoughts and questions? What I would love you know you know to do is just is just you know go around you know the Zoom if anybody's willing to put an action step either in the chat box or you know you just spent 48 minutes in you know in here with me. So this is for anybody who's also listening uh, to the archives. You know, put it in the comment box. What is what is something you're going to do differently or at least try? tomorrow or in the next 24 hours to be in a better spot, you can start being better at prioritizing and focusing your time on the right thing. So you can unmute yourself now if you want to. One action step. What's what's one thing I'll apply? What's one thing I'll change? What's one thing I'll teach? You know, someone else. I know for me, my action step is to um, I I get a little complacent with my daily list, and I need to do a better job of using the team around me um, to do some of these uh, tasks. And what I've realized is I estimate that it takes five to seven minutes to do one of these little tasks, but really it doesn't. It probably takes me 15 to 17 minutes. So as a result, I am I'm not predicting the right amount of time that something takes me. Um, I'm underestimating the time is probably a better way to say it. And as a result, I'm losing time, right? I'm losing time. So you can't afford to lose time because you all have the same 168 hours, just like me, right? We all got the same. And so what the difference is how we utilize those 168 hours, right? All those minutes uh, per week. So that's going to be my action step. Vanessa's going to be working on the delegation task. Yeah, good. So at the end of every day, what did I do today that I don't want to do tomorrow? Um, does it have to be done by me? No. Who can I do it? Who can I start to train? And when do I do it? So then I could just invite them. You could just create a calendar invite and go, boom, we're going to work on this task and I'm inviting Tom uh, and we're going to do it in my office. Great. And then you see them and say, hey, I invited you to a task and I go and do it. 
<laughs> yeah, Brian says, I want to organize my data types so I can prioritize, get rid of all my sticky notes. Yeah, I, I hear you, buddy. I'm, I'm actually paralyzed by lists. Lists, I've got lists everywhere that I can't even find lists. Like, here's one that I, it's just, you know, just, I just random. And I'm like, so I'm not always the best model when it comes, you know, to that. And so, because then I can't find my list, because then I got to make a new list, you know, because I can't find the old list. So, you know, there's, you know, some people that are much better at it uh, than I, but, you know, that's a good thing. So, there's not a way, right? But just, you know, think about what's the best way that I have had success in remembering my daily tasks. Uh, my partner, Jeff, used to write everything on a sticky note, and then he'd have like all these, these notes on the wall, and he loved like taking them down one at a time. <laughs> but they weren't prioritized, right? So that's a key. What's the most important part of this task, and what are some other things I could do better? So, awesome. Well, good. Well, like I shared, uh, you know, if you're listening to this archive, thank you, you know, so much for taking the time and hanging in through here, right? What are you going to apply? What are you going to change? What are you going to teach? Make sure you take that workbook and you start working through page three and four. That's going to be your reflection exercises. Go through those steps and really get clear. Um, I'm going to put comments or, uh, you know, links in here to our 15-minute miracle and the other resources, the Covey Quadrants. Um, and anything else that you need for time management, uh, because you're here, you're going to have access to our time management mini course, uh, which is going to teach you those favorite Ds that I have, do it, dump it, or delegate it, uh, which I love you know, to do. And so that's a, a quick exercise. So great job, everybody. Uh, uh, thanks for being a part. If you're listening to the recording, make sure you subscribe and share, right, and like. Otherwise, my son, Matthew, who's eight years old, he just, he just gets on me every day. He's like, Dad, you didn't tell anybody to subscribe to your podcast, right, or subscribe to your channel, or share it and like it out. So he's eight, and, and Dad, Dad will be a hero if we can get over 100. So, you know, go ahead, if you're not uh, uh, subscribing to our pages, go ahead and do that, so then I can be a hero in front of my son's eyes. Thanks, everybody. I hope this added value to you. Now, go out there and make a difference. Bye-bye.